All right, church family, well, we're glad that many of you came back after last week and we talked about how we all should rest or work, sorry, work always, right? Work always. No, that wasn't the main message last Sunday. Last Sunday, we did talk about work. We talked about it from the elder panel. The goal, and I hope the takeaway for all of you, was do all things for God's glory and work should be done for God's glory. So today we're doing the other side of the coin. If work is on the one side, then rest is on the other. So we want to have our elder panel today answer some specific questions related to that topic. We have with us the illustrious Grant Fonda, which is awesome to see you transition from the stage playing keys to down here. It wasn't graceful. <laughs> but you didn't trip, so That's praise true. God. That praise God. And we have, if you're illustrious, then the incredible. We'll go with the alliteration. The incredible Dave Hubs. He is incredible. It's good. And now, just for reference, I know you guys, we didn't talk about bios or anything, but Grant, you've been with Oak Hill since 2013? 12. 12. Yep. 2012. Yep. Good long time, right? Back in the days when we were at a former place in the whole history of Oak Hill is fantastic. And Dave, since 2015? I was a year behind him. Year so behind, 13. My years are yeah. off. Okay, yeah. my years are off. That's right, because we started here right. in 2013, yeah. March 17th, I think, is the exact date. Yeah, my memory's not that Easter. bad. I yeah, okay. That. Good job. So you guys have been with Oak Hill for a long time. Members, then elders, praise God. Uh, you guys also have worked a little bit, right? A, a little bit, right? Almost worked yourself to death one time, That's story true. for another time. Yep. Uh, and then nearing the end of a season of paid work yep, and soon to embark on a season of labor into the Lord without the restraints of a, the office. Of vocational work. Right. Exactly. Next month. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. We're very excited. Meredith is dancing somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. So today uh, in church family, this is really for us. We, we are in an age when so many Christian leaders, Christian writers, even pastors talk about rest and talk about this idea of self-care. That's a really big topic today. Whether you go to Christian blogs, whether you listen to certain uh, Christian leaders, there's a lot of talk about self-care. Self-care, though, is a worldly idea. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. Self-care in and of itself is not a biblical concept. That being said, you should care for the body and the person that God has given you to be. But self-care in and of itself is a worldly concept. It did not start from the scriptures, and it has been warped and twisted. What we want to talk about today is how to understand an idea of resting, an idea of caring for self and even potentially for others from the scriptures, understanding rest from a biblical concept, and really having the right scripture, the right foundation, the biblical foundation to understand that. So we got to unpack that, right? So the first question for you guys, we want to talk about thinking biblically about rest, can you help us identify some of the, the wrong, the erroneous views uh, that believers may have about rest? I think we should start even before that of just acknowledging that we laughed about this around the elder table because all of us struggle, I think, as believers, especially as leaders, struggle with resting, both understanding what it is and actually doing it. And I think a large part of that is because we have a skewed and worldly influence view of what rest is. And so our hope this morning is that we'll help correct and inform some of that. And it's, I will also say <laughs> uh, it's been incredibly convicting and encouraging for me as I've been studying through this, you know, for really my whole life, but in particular to hone in on this this week. But um, we'll unpack all these things. But real quick, I think there's a couple of erroneous views. Rest is sometimes but not always associated with sleep. 
We typically look at sleep and say, I'm resting. Uh, Adam and I have this thing. He's like, hey, get some rest. I'm like, okay. And we typically would be like that. We think that means go sleep, but not always. Sometimes. Rest can include, but it should not be synonymous with vacation or time off. Hmm. And that uh, comes back to what you were talking about with self-care. I think it's really helpful. Um, restfulness is different than slothfulness or laziness. And that, that is important for all of us, especially those of us who are under the age of 50, to remember. We talked about this last week. It's like our, our society struggles with this idea of hard work. Um, and then rest, this might be a mic drop, rest is ultimately not an action. It is a state of contentment of the heart. And Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 talks about this. We'll talk more about this as we go along this morning. But Jesus says, come to me. Uh, all you are, who are weary and heavy laden, he goes on, so that you will find rest for your souls. He doesn't say so that you can go and rest or so that you will practice rest, but so that you will find rest. It's one of those already not yet moments. It's really mm-hmm. sweet. It's good. Yeah, so a couple of misunderstandings about rest. Um, some Christians operate under, under, uh, under an extreme. One extreme is that they're lazy and they don't want to work. And the other extreme is that some people want to work all the time and feel guilty when they rest. Uh, But God created us both to work and rest. And you can see it in the way that God designed our bodies. Our bodies were designed with limitations. Our bodies require sleep. And just because a person is resting doesn't mean that they're lazy. There's a difference between, as you said, slothfulness or laziness and rest. Proverbs 13, 4 says, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. So this verse contrasts slothfulness or or laziness with diligence. And the difference is this. The person uh, who is lazy doesn't want to work and is controlled by his aversion to work. The lazy person doesn't like work and sees it as a misery to be avoided. And this person is enslaved by his laziness. But the person who works diligently sees work as a gift of God and a privilege. We were created to work, and even though our work has been corrupted by the effects of sin in the world, we can still find meaning and purpose in it. So while a lazy person avoids work, the diligent person embraces it, And rest, rest for the diligent person is a gracious reward for God-glorifying work. Ecclesiastes 5.12 says, Sweet uh, is the sleep of the laborer. The diligent should enjoy his rest. Even before the fall, Adam was given work to do in the garden as a blessing. And the diligent worker sees rest as a reward for his diligent work. So rest that follows diligent work is biblical, and it's God-glorifying. So a second misunderstanding of what rest should, is, is what rest should look like. And some people think that my rest time is, is my time, and I'll do with it as I please, kind of like self-care, you know. And, and rest time for them becomes a time to indulge, maybe even in fleshly pleasures. But biblically, there's both physical rest and spiritual rest. And, um, and this is important. A Christian finds his most satisfying rest in Christ rather than in worldly pleasures. So when Christians rest after diligence, they find that abiding with Christ during their time of physical rest 
is both refreshing and a blessing. Amen. I love that both of you are emphasizing that rest is not, even as you start out, Grant, rest is not doing the things, and rest is not apart from God. Rest is under God's sovereign care, and finding rest, really, as we, we think about rest, should be considered with like Psalm 116, even, that our salvation is in Yahweh and our rest. Both are in him, and that is an already not yet dynamic. So you can have rest this side of glory, but it's partial. It's not the eternal, but it's still biblical under God's care, but you don't find it outside of God's care. I think that's a big erroneous view you guys are both covering is rest is not us apart from God. Rest is still us under God's care. That's good. So now let's talk about a biblical perspective of rest. We want to think about how God models this for us, uh, how believers should even think about planning rest. What are your guys' thoughts on that? It's important for us to recognize that we do not design or reinvent rest. God designed and invented rest. We talked about Genesis 1, and we, we, you've heard a lot at Oak Hill, and it's a biblical truth that's worth remembering. If you take Genesis 1 through 3 out of the Bible, or you contort it to your own understanding, it is a slippery slope, and everything else will go downhill from there. And typically, we only associate that with an understanding of biblical marriage and sexuality, but rest and work is actually directly tied into this. We, again, I don't want to rehash everything we talked about last week, but the idea that God worked and labored was a beautiful thing. Um, and in the same way, God is at the first person that modeled rest for us. And Genesis 2, 2 through 3 says, On the seventh day, God had completed the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all his work of creation. It's really important to recognize what's, what is said and what isn't said in this. It is said that God worked and God rested willfully on both accounts. It doesn't say that God stopped being God. That's really important for us because as Adam and David both talked about already, rest is bound by God. It's bounded to who he is. It's designed by God. And so if we, if we believe that God rested and checked out and disappeared or went to sleep, our whole foundation and understanding of who God is disintegrates, which means that we cannot actually rest, either physically or spiritually. Uh, and that's, that's huge. That's countercultural because a lot of times the American dream says, I'm going to rest. I'm going to stop working on something. I'm going to disappear for seven months on a cruise. Are there seven-month cruises? I don't know. <laughs> if you have enough money, I think you can Mike's cruise in the back. He's like, yeah. no, there's no seven-month. <laughs> right. Um, but too often we think that we stop working on something. We finish a project. We finish a counseling endeavor. We finish a relationship. And we're like, I'm done. I'm going to check out. And so we actually miss the, the other thing that we see is that God delighted in his creation. He, re, he saw that it was good. And so one of the key things that's important for us to recognize that God modeled is when we rest, we recognize that work accomplished is good not by our own merits, but by what God's designed. And it's so helpful. He set it apart. And so especially for those of us who work unusual jobs um, with weird timelines where it's hard to figure out what that rest looks like, it's important to recognize it wasn't the calendar that actually mattered. It was the intentionality mm -hmm. and the purposefulness that God designed in those things. He took time to stop creating. He recognized when something was good and he stopped. He said, that's good. And that flies in the face of our culture where we look at the idea of workaholism um, and the idea of incessant labor. 
for those, we have a lot of creatives in our church. It's important for you guys to recognize too. At, at his, we see God is a creative and he said, that is good enough. I'm done. And he moved on and he delighted in it. And I think a lot of times we look at this idea of rest and work and it's forced. We feel like, oh, I have to rest because God did it. No, it's actually, it's a, it's a thinking that we need to correct. Um, Psalm 104 and 148 talks about how the Lord delights in his work and creation rejoices because he has created them. And so, again, it's important for all of you, every single one of you on some account, whether you work for a paycheck or you work as a parent or you work as someone who's retired and invests in, in the kingdom, there are things that you labor towards, recognize when those things are completed, and praise God that he has allowed you to do those things and say, this is good and beautiful. Um, it's also important to recognize in that model, God was not lazy hmm. when he rested. I think you're going to hear this recurring theme. We were joking before service. We all have the same owner's manual, and so all this is shared truth. But God didn't like stop resting. He's like, I'm going to go watch TV, or I'm going to go, whatever he would do in the Eden. But he actually, he took time, <laughs> Jeff's laughing. For the record, He's you can crying, watch. actually. <laughs> yes. For the record, you can watch TV and rest. It's okay. I'm not condoning TV. Wow, that went downhill fast. Um, but recognizing God was purposeful in his rest. He took time, and he, even in his rest, he delighted. He was still doing something. There was intentionality in it. That's good. Yeah, and you quoted, you quoted Genesis 2 there, that God, God had rested. But I think one thing that's important to clarify is God didn't get tired. I mean, he didn't rest because he got tired. God's omnipotent. Creating all of creation, if you think about it, it was, it was an awesome, almighty task that we can't even fathom because he's infinite and we're finite. And yet he didn't tire. He doesn't tire. He doesn't get weary. Yeah, he didn't so when it, says, when it says he rested, it just means that he ceased, that he, ceased, he stopped doing it. So Genesis 2 also says that God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. So in creating man, God created him to work, and work is a good thing, as you said, and it glorifies God even today in a sinful world. And then in Genesis 3, God pronounced his judgment on Adam for his disobedience, and he said, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it. All the days of your life, thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. So these verses, we learn a lot of things about work and rest. We know that, that God created man in his image, Genesis 1.26. So we work and rest as God worked and rest. And we glorify God when we work and rest. So we should, it's not something that we should feel guilty about. And rest is, long, is, is biblical as long as it doesn't morph, as you said, into laziness or self-indulgent activity. We also learned that man's work became much more difficult because of sin. That, that the work that Adam was given by God to do in the garden as a blessing after the fall became more of a burden. And though we bear the burden of sin in our work today, we were still created by God to work and thus to find some element of fulfillment in it. And just as God rested, we were created to rest. In Mark 6, there's a story about Jesus and his disciples trying to get some rest. For, for context, Jesus had sent out his disciples by two and two for ministry, and the disciples returned from their work, and verse 30 of chapter 6 picks it up there, and it says this, the apostles returned to Jesus 
and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves. In other words, um, in other words uh, without the rest of the crowd that was around them at the time, to a desolate place for a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them and recognized them, and they ran there on foot all, um, from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Um, and when he went there ashore, he saw our great crowd. Well, so much for escaping to a desolate place. But it says that he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And there are some great biblical insights on rest in this story. The disciples were tired and they hadn't eaten. And Jesus instructs the disciples to withdraw to a desolate place for the purpose of resting. But instead of getting rest, the crowds follow him. So Jesus put their rest on hold and ministered to the people, and he even fed the 5,000. So the principle is this. It's God glorifying after diligent work to rest and to go out to a secluded place where rest can be effective. But notice also, and moms can identify with this, that the crowds followed them, right? It's like <laughs> mom goes into the bedroom and locks the door. <laughs> and That's the a kids real scenario, are on, yeah. on the outside of the door. You know where I'm going. Yeah, those of you <laughs> babies, just sit tight. It's coming. <laughs> Say, I know you're in there. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, um, and they didn't get the, and the disciples didn't get the, the rest that they desperately needed. But still look at Christ's attitude. He graciously gave up his rest and attended to the needs of the people, much like a mom who attends to the needs of her children even though she's totally exhausted. so I think it's really sweet, too, from a shepherding standpoint to watch. We've seen this modeled really well. Um, you guys, many of you know that Ross took a sabbatical a, a year ago, I think. Jeff is on a sabbatical right now. But both of those guys as shepherds were faithful in still caring for the flock, so they didn't disappear from mankind, although Ross arguably lives in the ether up north. So there's that. But, but even still, they've been intentional about still caring for the sheep. And as we see Christ model that, I think it's easy for us to look at leadership and be like, well, Jesus did it, but that was 2,000 years ago. Times were different. But even today, having watched and seen the intentional care, and even you know, when the rest of my brothers who shepherd with us have time off, they will still take a phone call or they will still take a knock on the door when there's a need that arises in the body. And it's Sweet to see that there is still an intentionality in resting with purposefulness in trusting that God is still the good shepherd in those areas. Yeah. And one, one more quick point is it's interesting that in Revelation chapter 14, it says that the punishment for non-believers that they will experience in hell will be that there will be no rest. So not getting rest is punishment. Yeah. And I love that you guys are emphasizing the dynamic of resting recharging really for more work. It's not resting and then abandoning all the work. Even, even God creating, it wasn't that, okay, I'm done. There were just seven days and now that's it. You know, let it play out. It's that the seventh day he modeled rest from creation. Now there's a new work to be done. And we think about our work, it's similar. We take that rest so that we can do more work. Uh, it's a beautiful dynamic when you see Jesus going to rest. When you see even Jesus 
Uh, if you study the life of Christ and the specific retreats that Jesus took during his earthly ministry, it was all very purposeful. And you even think the night, we just covered this in the Gospel of John, but the night of the crucifixion, his arrest and trial, uh, that very night he went to retreat the garden to go and to pray, to recharge for the task that was at hand. And so when we take that approach to work and to rest and balancing the two, we see rest as a grace to prepare for work and helps us to do all the work that God has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Some of you know that passage, Ephesians 2.10, uh, that we can accomplish his holy will. Man, that's great. So, okay, as we think about rest then, there's this dichotomy. You have temporal rest here, this side of glory. It is imperfect, right? Everyone says amen, right? The nap amen. never feels long enough, the vacation, never long enough, your time away from school, whatever it is, right? Never enough, right? But there's that eternal rest. And Dave, you just touched on it. Uh, there's that eternal rest for the believer, for those who are saved. Hebrews 4 talks a lot about that. Uh, so what does that mean? What does eternal rest look like in the eternal kingdom? And what is that difference between the labor and the toil that we have this side of glory and the labor that will be there, the roles, responsibilities, the other side of glory? Yeah. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, it's... It's important, again, to recognize, we've already said, this is not something that any one of us have figured out. This is something that we are trying to work through and walk through on a daily basis as believers because, Dave touched on this, the effects of the fall. Um, it's interesting when we, in Jesus, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. It's, we read that and we're like, well, I'm not weary and burdened. It's, he's speaking to mankind at this point. Yes, he was addressing a few people there, He's speaking to mankind, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We tend to gloss over most of that and jump right to, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's like, woohoo, my job sucks. Jesus was wrong. It's like, no, that's at, we're missing the whole point of this. Jesus says, take up my yoke and learn from me. Again, you know, Dave talked about this. Jesus intentionally retreated for the purpose of recharging our work. But it's interesting because we understand that as believers, we can find joy, we can find satisfaction in Jesus Christ. And at this moment in time, Jesus was speaking of the already not yet. He wasn't speaking of that immediate temporary rest. And I think his disciples probably figured that of like, Oh, there's a huge group of people waiting there. <laughs> or parents like, I can hear you talking in there to Papa. It's like, <laughs> go, go out, find something else to do. But it's like, it's, it's interesting because, you know, again, God sets the model for that. The work that he accomplished in Genesis 1 was without toil. It was something that he was able to do. He didn't tire from it. And the hardness of work is because of the fall. We didn't see in Genesis 1, it doesn't say God worked and it was hard, or God worked and it was difficult, or it took a long time. It says God worked and it was good. He delighted in it. It's only after the fall that we see that labor would be difficult. And so when we're freed from death and the curse, we can relatively believe and confidently believe that like the garden pre-fall, when work was not difficult and there was ready delight in it, our work as worshipers after this world has passed will be filled with endless delight. It doesn't mean that we will cease working, um, but our, our worship will change. And so it's important for us to recognize that that eternal rest is something that we do experience in part, 
but not in full, and we can look forward to. And it actually should be a motivation, not just for the way that we rest, but for the way that we work. Because we talk a lot, again, as believers, that everything that we do here, Sunday mornings, during the week, this side of glory is a rehearsal for the big dance or for the wedding ceremony at the Lamb. It's like no one would ever in their right minds, unless you're eloping, I guess, go to a wedding and be like, let's just wing it every bride would pass out. They'd be like, no, you have to figure this out. You have to walk through those steps. And it's so that that moment of union is built up towards and anticipated, and it's rich and satisfying. In the same way that we have to practice work, we have to practice biblical rest here so that we can worship more fully and readily because we are created and finite beings when we enter into the eternal kingdom. That's good. Yeah, and so as we said, uh, there's the, the rest biblically is both physical and spiritual, and in heaven there will be both physical and, and spiritual rest. So the Sabbath rest that's referred to in Hebrews 4.9 is a spiritual rest, much like the rest that you, the, that you quoted in, in Matthew chapter 11, you know, where Jesus said, you know, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, and I will give you rest for your souls. And Hebrews 4.9 says um, that so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. So the Sabbath rest is a spiritual rest, and it's a rest that starts when we place our faith in Christ. And it, the exciting thing is, is that it goes on into perpetuity. It's eternal. It's a rest that comes from being redeemed and abiding with Christ. And it, it's a rest from the effects of sin. And, um, and, it's, a, and it's a rest from uh, just um, our own self-righteous works, working for salvation. And Jesus was there in Matthew 11 referring to the works of the Pharisees. I, I, come to me. I, I'll give you rest. I'll give you spiritual rest, eternal rest. So, um, and with respect to rest that we'll experience in heaven, uh, Revelation 14.3 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow them. And so this is really exciting. There's, that there is, as I said, there's an eternal aspect to our rest. And as believers, from the moment that we place our faith in Christ, we start that period of eternal rest. But there's a big but here, and some will be surprised to hear this. We will have work in heaven to do. Uh, Revelation 22.3 says, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will serve him. So that's, that's us. We will be serving the Lord in heaven. What will our jobs be? We don't know yet. But, but whatever work that God gives us, it will be satisfying and it will be enriching. It won't be burdened by sin. It's, it's work that's pleasurable and not a drudgery. We will thoroughly enjoy this work. So this is the, the rest that affects, uh, that the, from the effects of our sin and our physical work on, on this side of heaven. But going, going back to the Sabbath and our time this side of glory, while Christians today are not mandated to observe the Sabbath because Jesus did away with it when he came, 
There are some good reasons to observe the first day of the week and the entire day as the Lord's Day. And throughout church history, Christians have set aside the first day of the week as a special day to gather. John said in Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard him behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. So notice that he didn't refer to the first day of the week as the first day of the week. John referred to it as the Lord's day. The early church set aside the Lord's day as a special day of worship and, and fellowship. And we should consider the importance of setting aside one day of the week as the Lord's day, not, not in a legalistic manner, not as something that we have to do, um, but it's something that we want to do, we desire to do it because we desire to rest with Christ. It can be a time of both physical and spiritual refreshment. That's good. And that's a huge part of like we, why I talk about the importance of in town, in church. It's because this time that we have together is designed to be a time of encouragement and refreshment because we recognize as believers that we struggle and are knocked down throughout the given week. And so when we come together, it's actually crazy this time is designed to be a time of rest for the believer where you are, we are intentionally coming before the throne of grace. We're immersed in the teaching of his word and the singing of his praises so that we can come and help practice this because we stink at resting and we stink at resting in the truths and the promises of God. You know, Paul actually speaks exactly about that in Romans 15 verse 32. He talks about how believers give rest and refreshment. And so us gathering together, that's part of it. I mean, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but have noticed you go through a hard week, you go through some difficult situations, and then you come alongside that brother or sister who brings refreshment and encouragement from God's word, from the gospel, from the love of Christ, and you're refreshed, and your heart is lighter, and you're not so worried about that big, difficult thing that you were walking through, and it was the supernatural work of the Spirit through the life of another believer for you. And so there's that beautiful rest and refreshment that comes in. Now, there's a side note here. I think we might need to talk about being Sabbateans now. All this talk about rest, this maybe is an elder table topic. Uh, okay, I'm just looking at you, Jeff. Okay, anyways, uh, maybe, maybe we'll go He's there. on sabbatical. He's on sabbatical. He can't think about that yet. Give he him another week. just threw a yellow flag. Yeah. Did you see yeah. that? Penalty flag. Okay. <laughs> you know, what, one of the things I'm really glad you guys mentioned here is that this side of glory, we are stained. We have the stain of sin. All of us, we have the, the mark is all over creation. Everything's broken. It's like a funhouse mirror. Nothing looks the right way, right? With that, we also see that all of us are working not to try to earn salvation, not to earn God's favor, but we're testing out the salvation that's been given. And now you think back to the Exodus. You think back to what Moses wrote in Deuteronomy chapter eight, that the Lord God through that time was testing the hearts of the Israelites and now you think about us here today, the testing of our hearts. It is the working out of our salvation with fear and trembling before God. That will cease in the eternal kingdom. That's the striving that will end. That's the work that's going to end is that striving to work out our salvation. It will be finished. It will be done. It'll be complete. And we look forward to that day. Now, I want to turn the conversation here. Well, let's talk very practically. When we're thinking about pursuing a biblical rhythm of rest, now, that, now we're talking about vacations, we're talking about time off, we're talking about all those things. How do, we, how do we pursue a good biblical rhythm of rest, and what pitfalls should we be prepared to avoid? Gosh, this is an endless discussion. I think we could have an entire year-long preaching series on what this looks like. Um, but there's three things that stuck out to me as I was working through this this week. Um, first of all, 
as with anything, but particularly in an area that the world has so convoluted and we on our, by ourselves can convolute very quickly, is rest has to be practiced first and foremost by a daily and intentional delight in the word and truth of God and his faithfulness. Here's the reason why. When we do that, we amplify our understanding of God, we, we increase our view of him, and our view of ourselves and our needs decreases. And the re- that seems like a, yeah, duh, Grant, but actually think about how this works out. If you are daily delighting in the word of God and his, and his faithfulness, when a time to rest comes, our perspective on that is going to be immediately God-focused and not self-focused. We're not going to be like, man, I can't wait for that vacation in two weeks. And then all at once, everyone in your house gets the flu, that vacation goes. What's our temptation is going to be, Lord, why did you do this to me? It's like, actually, God's design, if we're trusting in his sovereignty and faithfulness, meant that you were to plan that vacation and everyone in your house was supposed to get the flu, and that vacation would be deferred. And that's a real, I get it. I have a parent of two little kids who are sick all the time. That was more than one example yeah, in we that have, example. We have one home with a stomach flu this morning. Um, but it's, it's interesting to, to look at that and to recognize that we, heart idols are real. And we see that fleshed out oftentimes when it comes to areas of rest. So delight in God's word. Secondly, practice sleeping. I know the irony is real right now for those of you who know me. But... There are few greater acts of worship for the believer than sleeping, for fewer things are as demonstrative an act of willful trust as allowing our very lives to be submitted to the control of God. I'm going to say that again. There are few greater acts of worship for the believer than sleeping, for fewer things are as demonstrative an act of willful trust as allowing our lives to be submitted to the control of God. This putting on a daily practice of preaching to ourselves that when we lie down and rest and sleep, God is glorified because we actually, it's the only time in our day that we say, Lord, I place my very life in your hands, even more than we choose not to cross the street when there's a bus coming. But because we we lay down and we trust that God will allow us to sleep and he will wake us up the next morning. Psalm 3, 5 says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And this is hard for us, for those who labor, for those of us who own our own businesses and are freelancers, for those of us who work for tyrants, <laughs> but God-ordained tyrants, and we, we recognize that there is always going to be something to do. There's always an endless list of supplies. For those of you who are parents full-time, you are never going to run out of laundry or dishes to wash or children to clean up after. But there's a moment where you say, I need to stop because I trust that God will allow me to rest And if he wills, will wake me up to do this again tomorrow. Uh, And thirdly, as we pursue God, we better understand when and how to rest for our rest and our contentment will firstly be found in him. Um, Guys, it's the grace of God pushing back the effects of the fall that actually takes away our anxiety. Trigger word for today, right? But And it makes labor meaningful and sweet. And that gives true restfulness because when we delight in the promises of God, we can truly rest at the end of a day or for a nap. You know, it's, Jeff and I laugh a lot. Jeff is the king of pastor naps. Um, for those of you who, did, well, I won't talk about his preaching schedule. You can ask Jeff if you have questions. But for a long time, Jeff's preaching schedule was crazy. And it's been better, but it's, I mean, he was purposeful in saying, I'm going to nap. I do this as well. There are many times throughout the day where I will lay down for, I kid you not, seven minutes 
I'll set a timer, and it's that moment of like, Lord, I need to rest. I, I, I need to actually sleep because my body is tired, and I recognize that there's so much to do. And, I, and it's a time where there's not a lot of sleeping that's happening, but it's an intentional commitment to say, I'm going to trust that if the Lord allows me to fall asleep, he'll wake me up again to finish whatever is looming. Or if not, then I'm in the presence of God. Um, and it stresses Carly out because... Whenever I lay down for a seven-minute nap, she's like, are you going to die during this nap? It's like, well, I don't know, maybe. But we trust the Lord in that process. You guys are like, what? But it actually... I mean, you're telling the truth, but like, you don't have to say it. You know, like... I don't actually say maybe, for the record. But it's, we joke about it because it is a time that we can both willfully practice and say, we're going to trust the Lord for our sleep. Um, And it's helpful, you know, in Psalm 127, it says, unless the Lord builds the house... Those who build it labor in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and you go late to rest. Again, I get it. Eating the bread of anxious toil. Here's here's why. For he gives to his beloved sleep. That's huge, guys. And so if you believe that God is a perfect father and the giver of all good things, he will give to his kids sleep and rest in his perfect design. It's cool. That'll preach. Yeah, thanks. So you, you touched on anxiety. And I think I'll, there, are, there are a lot of people today who experience anxiety, uh, even Christians in their Christian walk. Um, but for those of you who, who do really struggle with anxiety, and I'm not talking about um, you know, intermittent fear, but there are people who wake up every morning and they're anxious. And so for those people, um, I want to encourage you to rely on the promises of Scripture that Jesus said, I will give you rest. I will give you rest for your souls. And as we, as we, as we uh, uh, in the call to worship that earlier today, we said, you know, the, the verse was, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So let, let these words that God will give you rest dwell in you richly. Uh, and I realize that this is overwhelming for people, and I don't want to trivialize it. But we need to trust and rest in the promises of our Lord and in Scripture. Uh, Ephesians 5.15 also says that we're to make the best use of our time because the days are evil. And a lot of times we read that verse and we think making the best use of our time is the best use of our active time, right? Uh, But also think about that as applying to your restful time, making the best use of your restful time. Is it a time to just self-indulge and indulge in worldly pleasures? Or is it a time to be refreshed by the Lord, to abide with the Lord, to spend some time maybe in prayer and in scripture and in meditation and, and truly get that the good rest? Also, making the best use of your time meaning, means that even during the active hours, you're not wasting time so that you're being efficient with that time so that you will have time to rest. Right? You're, not, you're not wasting times during the active hours so that you can actually prioritize rest in your lives. And again, I, I want to make another plug for the Lord's Day on Sunday, that that can be a time if you plan it, if you're making the best use of your time, if you're making the best use of a Sunday, the Lord's Day, that can be a time of refreshment as well. That's good. So final thoughts. Maybe I'll throw you guys a curveball question here at the very end, but any final thoughts on encouragements for people managing their schedule, trying to put in rest regularly? 
Yeah, there. I think there's. It's important for us to recognize that there are seasons for the believer, um, and I want to speak to different seasons of life that we see here in the church. And Ecclesiastes, that was for you, uh, talks about how there is a season for everything under the sun, and it's important for us, first of all, regardless of our season of life, that we will go through seasons where intentional rest is easier than others, and sometimes it's easier to prioritize it. Sometimes it's easier to find it. Sometimes it's easier to actually rest in the promises of God. And that's it's helpful to recognize because it's something we have to work at. Um, college students and singles, first up. Fight against selfish living. Dave just talked about this. You know, guard against worldly pushers. But also recognize the Lord has given you youth. Take advantage of that. You know, use it for his glory um, on your weekends Take advantage to learn from older saints. Spend time. Ask if you can come over for lunch. Invite to cook for them. You know, it's as you break from your toil, your studies, you're going to learn more about how those have gone before you prioritize resting in the promises of God and what that looks like on a physical and spiritual basis. It's because there will come a day when you will get old. And it's, I know it's crazy, but they're like, prepare for it. Well, prepare for that moment when your youth will disappear and you will have to more readily prioritize how to rest well. Young marrieds, um, man, we have a lot of them. <laughs> uh, be intentional about resting together and taking advantage of the time that the Lord has given you without children. And this, again, this is both on the physical and the spiritual side of things. Don't neglect the time to exhort one another to dwell on the promises of God because, man, before you know it, one day your life is going to change. Your careers will change. Your things will get busier. You'll have parents that will go get old and need your help. You might have kids. And more things will vie for your attention. I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but life will get crazier and busier as you get older. Um, and so when you are young married, be intentional with purposefully resting and demonstrating that to younger um, those who are not married as well, be hospitable. Um, young with children, what rest? <laughs> yeah, right? But seriously, this is going to be probably the hardest for those of you guys. And spoiler alert, this is the fastest growing area of our church. Uh, guys, be purposeful in the time that you have. Parents, model this for your children. <laughs> You're like, my kids don't rest. You don't understand. I do. I get it. Uh, your time for rest is more likely going to be limited as you're working, as you're raising children, as you're serving in the, ch in the church. It's argu arguably that young parents may have the busiest season of life within the church, but don't neglect resting in the promises of Scripture or physically. Um, and when you see an opportunity to cease for laboring, be purposeful in it, be worshipful. But I would challenge you, maybe actually take that opportunity to rest and be hospitable and host someone. Practice resting in biblical community. Practice that so that your children understand that fusion of the already, not yet. Um, Colossians 3, uh, we, again, we read it this morning. The context that we read here is relationships within the home. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. Everything that we do within the home or in individual relationship should be designed for resting in the purposes and the promises of God. Amen. Yeah, so as you said, it's hard for parents of young children to find rest, right? Mom, I remember days I would go off to work and Meredith would be taking care of four screaming kids and I'd 
kind of say bye. <laughs> and close your car door in yeah. silence. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I get to rest at work. <laughs> Whoa, that's tough. It is really tough. And so, um, you know, moms, you know, your your husband has been working all day long, and so sometimes I know there's an ex- expectation that when you come home that the husband is there, but he's tired too. So you might consider, you know, scheduling times where each of you can rest, maybe even independently. And, and, and dads, when, when you get home, yeah, you may be tired, but your wife may just be famished because she's been taking care of the kids all day long. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Yeah, so give her, give her a time of rest. And moms, you know, one thing that you might consider is, is either starting or joining a, a, a babysitting co-op. And, and to kind of trade hours so that you can get some rest. But also for, for those of you who, um, who work long hours, <laughs> um, God created rest. That was directed to you. Yeah. It was both of you. It was both, no, both, both of these guys. It, yeah. Both of these guys over here. I wouldn't call them workaholics, but they do. They don't mind putting in the long hours. But but uh, for, for those of you who, who, you know, think that life is all work and no rest, that God, just think about it. God created rest. He created our bodies with limitations to rest. And let's, let's use, that, use, that time, um, use that time well. Dads, also, as a spiritual leader in your home, consider how you might lead your family in times of rest, how you might guard the Lord's day and show them how they can rest during, uh, during the Lord's day in times of fellowship, in times of scripture reading, in times of, of, of uh, meditation, uh, and in times of just, just physical resting, sleeping. That's good. Okay, we're out of time, but I want to throw you guys a curveball question that is not on the list. You have not prepared for it, so, but it's a quick one, okay? I want you each to answer with just one answer, Okay. Somebody sitting here, the last couple of weeks, you know, we're talking about work, we're talking about rest. Maybe there's a conviction that sets in. Man, I've been thinking about this wrong. I should do something. What's the first thing or a strong encouragement you would give to that person that has conviction they haven't been approaching work or rest biblically? Ask for help. Find Sam. <laughs> yeah, you laugh. But seriously, go to someone in the church or the body who you see either models this well or who you know will drive you to God's word in scripture. And so that one, they can help walk you through what that looks like practically. And maybe look at life and say, you're spending a ton of time playing video games, or maybe you're spending a ton of time working on stuff you shouldn't be working on and help you prioritize, but also help hold you accountable in that area. Because just like anything in life, we can idolize working or we can idolize rest. And it's important to make sure that we have brothers and sisters who know our tendencies to heart idols um, that are easily erected so that we can make sure that those are quickly cut down and thrown out and burnt so that we can grow in Christ-likeness together. Yeah, I would say I would say also, you know, this morning we've given you a lot of scripture uh, on rest. And I would say, go through that scripture and pray through it. Pray through what, what rest looks like for you and, and your situation in this, this time of your life. That's good. I want to read you guys something as we wrap up here. Uh, and this is right out of Revelation chapter 21. And there's a neat tie-in to what we studied in John chapter 4. So go ahead and hear the word of the Lord. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There is no longer any sea. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And then he said to me, They are done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. That's a brief glimpse of what eternal rest has to hold for us. And the connection to John 4 is, you remember the woman at the well? And Jesus said, if you knew who was standing before you, you would be asking me for water. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who gives the water of life, the one who we can go to, the weary and the heavy laden, to find eternal rest. That's the one that we look to. So guys, thank you for today. Thank you for walking us through a biblical theology of rest. There's so much more I know we could talk about, but church members, friends, I mean, come talk to an elder about rest. If you need to think through that in your own life, go seek help. Start by praying. Do both. Don't do one or the other. Do them together and go to God's word. Well, let's go ahead and pray and close out our time with a word of prayer. God, we thank you from the opening pages of scripture. You have given us a model of both, both work and of rest. We're grateful that even in your immense power, your infinite power, you modeled rest for us, not because you needed it, but because we needed it. Because we need to be reminded that we are finite creatures and that it is good to rest from work. It is good to rest from work for you, the Almighty. Therefore, it is good for us to rest from work. And we look forward to that perfect rest. This side of glory, we ask for your help. Help us to remember that we've been created with purpose, that we've been created to walk through the good works that you have prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Help us to remember that our work and our labor is not for our self-glory, but it is for your glory. Help us to remember that everything we put our hands to should give you honor and praise. Help us to not be a grumbling people about the work that we do and help us to look at rest as an opportunity this side of glory to trust you more looking at rest to let go of the striving, to let go of the, the ceaseless labor that we have this side of glory and to find joy in who you are and what you have done in Christ. Help us to fix our eyes on eternal rest, to long for that eternal rest the right way, to look at the words of Revelation 21 and to say, I long for that. Help to build in us that earnest desire to enter into the right eternal rest, that one day when sin is done away with, when death and pain and toil are done. Help us to long for the right things and to see those glimmers, those shattered mirrors this side of glory as just glimpses of the glory that is to come. And help us to be purposeful in our pursuit of biblical rest, that it would prepare us for more good works that glorify your name. Help us to not glory in ourselves for our rest. Help us to not just find what we enjoy and say, that's it, but to find things that are good and helpful for rest that we can still give you all glory and honor and praise in. We look forward to that eternal rest, God, but until then, help us to be men and women who worship you in all that we do, whether we are working 
whether we're resting, that we would do all things for your glory and for the good of your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.